What is up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another Review Point podcast coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com, which means I'm your host as always, Tony Mango. And today I'm going to be reviewing the latest entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Bit of a mouthful of a title. Bit of a mouthful of a movie when it comes to how it's supposed to set up so much of what we've got going forward. And is that the type of film that is going to boost the energy and the hype going into the Secret Wars as as much as we had when it came to Avengers Infinity War? Or did they kind of drop the ball a little bit? Well, we're going to talk about the hits. We're going to talk about the misses and everything else in between. And as I go ahead and I tell you what my thoughts are about the movie, I want to know what you have to say. So by all means, whatever it is that you are listening to this, whatever method, drop a comment below or send a tweet at fanboysanon or at my own personal account, Tony Mango, whatever it might be. You know, I want to know what you have to say about the movie just as much as what I am hoping that you want to hear what I have to say. So let's start diving into this and do what we normally do here, which is I'm going to give you a spoiler free review of a kind of short form collection of my thoughts about the movie before we get into the more spoiler specific things, just in case you haven't seen it. Maybe you're on the fence and you want to listen to this review first before checking it out or something. And I will give you a warning about that before we switch over and start talking about the spoilers. So generally speaking, of course, uh, you go into a movie like this with knowing that you are a part of a series. This is the third of the Ant-Man films inside of the MCU. And as far as the MCU is concerned, they've had 40 something projects at this point. You know, the movies, the specials, the TV series, little things like I am Groot to big things like. Yeah, obviously the Avengers crossover movies and things like Civil War and everything. But this series has been around for a long, long time. And at this point, you kind of know what you're getting into with a lot of the stuff. So not many people, I would assume, are going into a Marvel movie in 2023 after this has been around since 2008, thinking that this is going to be a completely different type of tone to it or that is going to maybe be more Oscar caliber or anything along those lines. So in general, the main takeaway that I would give to almost everybody about almost every single thing when it comes to the MCU is if you are a fan of the MCU, you're already going to be liking this more than a lot of other people that are going to be approaching it. And, you know, I mean, a Martin Scorsese type that really seems to hate the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not going to enjoy it pretty much at all. And I know that there is an increasing rate of people that are just kind of anti-MCU and, you know, it, it reached its high point and the zenith of Avengers Endgame. And then ever since then, it's gone downhill. And I mean, I agree with that to a certain extent. I think that the movies aren't the same caliber that they were before, but I also think that it's just kind of trendy and hip for people to be like, you know what, I hate everything about the MCU. I'm not one of those people that really loves that thing. I'm I'm fancier than that and everything. And to me, that's always been one of those ideas that I think, you know, I, I'm not the type of person who wants to just go with the trend, but at the same time, I'm also not somebody who wants to specifically go against the trend just to make myself feel cooler. And I just want, I like the things that I like. Good things are good. Bad things are bad. And the simplest way that I can put this, and I've put this on a couple of different things already, like Letterboxd, I think that this is an average movie. And by being an average movie, that means it gets an average score. So when you are ranking this out of a 
five star system where you've got, you know, uh, four and a half, four, three and a half downward. It's a, about a three, a, a three and a half. And then in some other ways, a two and a half. It's a three. It's just kind of a generic movie. You know, it's a sci-fi action adventure movie the way that you would have seen with so many other things before. And they don't do anything that hasn't been done before better. They don't do things necessarily worse than I have seen. I've seen every single thing that this movie brings to the table worse, for sure. And in some ways, that's something as simple as just, you know, the jokes are funny, but they're not the most hilarious. The CGI is fine, but it's not the best. Certainly not the worst. And if it's overall average, then it's just average. And then you move on. A lot of people are saying that this is like a half a star out of five type movie. Oh, it's the worst CGI that they've ever seen in their life. And then, of course, other people are going to be like, oh, my God, this was my favorite movie I've ever seen. And it's a five out of five star. Love it, hate it, whatever you want. If you actually love or hate it, that's one thing. If you're just sort of on the fence and you feel like you have to go to one of the extremes just because that's the way that the world works these days, then I don't know what to tell you. Because if a movie is average, you shouldn't be saying that it's the worst ever. It can't be both. Average is average. It's the median. It's supposed to be in the middle. That's where you get that stratification. So keeping that in mind, yeah, I do think this is a pretty average entry to the series. And if you look over on the tier list that I have on Fanboys Anonymous, I currently, and you know, I mean, I change these every once in a while, but it's not something that is super regular for me to change. I currently have it at number 31 and it's out of how many projects are on here out of 42. That seems, seems pretty bad, but all things considered, I mean, it's D tier, but that's because look at what we've got for other things. I mean, this does not compare to the Winter Soldier. It doesn't compare to Guardians of the Galaxy 1 or Black Panther number 1 or, or anything that the, the really, really strong, strong movies are. And then there's other movies that are on the weaker side that at this point I should probably move around a little bit. Like I've softened my opinions about Thor, but it's still not as good as some of the other ones. So it's not going to be, you know, S tier or anything. And then movies like the first Ant-Man and the second Ant-Man Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think are better than this. And they're, they feel like completely different movies in a lot of ways too. So to get into some more specifics, and again, I'm not doing the spoilers quite yet, so don't worry about that. One of the things that I thought was a little bit of a downer for this movie was that they spend the entire movie for the most part in the quantum realm. And by doing so, that means that they needed to get rid of some characters and they needed to get rid of some of the charm of what the Ant-Man series was. Now, my favorite parts of the Ant-Man movies were, first and foremost, the comedy, and second, being able to see Ant-Man work in the real world. So when they do something like have a giant Pez dispenser in the middle of the street, or they play around with, you know, a Duracell battery is used as the main battery for an entire laboratory just because they grew it to a bigger size or Obviously, when they do the shrinking effects and suddenly you've got this Thomas the Tank engine as this thing that's running into Yellow Jacket and everything, those are the things that I find very fun. And they completely got rid of that for this movie because this movie goes straight into the quantum realm and they end up spending the time in there, which 
eliminates everything. It becomes a, a sci-fi movie like Star Wars. Felt very much like Star Wars, actually, to the point that they even have like a cantina scene. These aren't spoilers that really matter all that much. But that gave me more of a Star Wars vibe. Or I guess a little bit more of like a Guardians of the Galaxy situation than it did Ant-Man. You know, this wasn't really a heist movie in a lot of ways. And it didn't need to be a heist movie, but the first two ones were. And even though this one does have some heist elements to it, it didn't quite work the same. And it feels like it suffers from a little bit of that third film fatigue where maybe they ran out of a lot of their best ideas and they didn't really have a whole lot else to bring to the table. So they switched up the gimmick a little bit just to kind of feel like, well, we've done it all before, so let's do something different. And then by doing something different, they've strayed too far past that point. Yeah, I mean, plenty of other movies have some good third films in their trilogies, and then other movies, they just, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for Peyton Reed and Kevin Feige and all them, but maybe they did get a little bit bored with the formula and they decided that they just wanted to change it up a little bit. But I, I do feel some fatigue of some of the MCU where they do need to freshen things up. And when you get something like a Thor Ragnarok, I think that about 75% of that movie really did well. And the other 25% was a little too ridiculous. And then when you get Thor Love and Thunder, it is way too ridiculous because they just took that 25% and said, let's make that 75%. And they lost a little bit of the way when it came to telling a better story and everything. So with this one, I think that they were going for, let's take a more serious approach to this film and give it more, I don't want to say actually overall stakes because the other ones had some pretty high stakes as well. But this one, of course, is about a bigger scope of everything. This is going to be setting up something huge for the future of the MCU and really being a foundational movie in a lot of ways. And by doing so, they had to get rid of a lot of other things like by going to the quantum realm, you're not having Luis in here. And he was one of the funniest parts of those two movies. So he was a main character. I mean, he wasn't the main character, but he was one of the principal characters and he's not to be seen in this movie whatsoever. So it loses its charm. And it's something that I think if you take the exact same movie that we got for the most part and you switch it up where it's not an Ant-Man film, it's just a brand new IP, a lot of people would not be criticizing it as much. And a lot of people would just be like, oh, this is a pretty good sci-fi adventure action film. And it's called, I don't know, Shrinking Man and the Shrinkettes or whatever the fuck you would call it. I don't know. It's a terrible title. Um, But you know what I mean? The idea being people are weighing this against some of the other movies in the MCU and it doesn't have the same gravitas. It doesn't have the same weight to it that the, the Iron Man film that started it all had, or, you know, it's not foundational in the same way that the first Avengers movie was or anything. It doesn't break new ground. It doesn't really do anything all that different. So then people get a little bit upset. And then for some reason they jump straight to, Oh, it's the worst movie ever. It's just kind of ridiculous. Another thing to point out, though, on the non-spoiler side of things, uh, I think that the CGI was just fine the way that it was. And it could have been better, I'm sure. But it seems like almost every movie these days has this little bit of a hiccup where they're overworking the uh, 
graphics people and that they're not able to pump out the same amount of high quality content that they would do if they had an extra couple months or something. But this is very, very heavy on the CGI. So that's something that's a little bit wearing on some people. I'm sure that they are looking at some of these characters and thinking that the designs of them could have been better or they could have been more realistic. Uh, It didn't bother me. (laughs) That's all I can say. It didn't really bother me. So if we're going through like a making the grade setup that I, I do sometimes over here instead of the review point, the visuals, like the effects and the makeups and the costumes and the sets and everything like that, it's like a, you know, C plus, B minus. It works. It's fine. It's nothing that stands out. And there's nothing at all that makes me just go like, whoa, man, I can't wait until we get more into the quantum realm. Quantum realm has never been my most favorite part of the whole thing. And it was what it was. So I also say on the audio side of things, I don't think anything stood out to me, but the Ant-Man series has not been a real standout when it comes to the audio anyway. They've had some good songs that they've placed in there, but not as well as Guardians of the Galaxy. The score has been fine, but it's not as hum-worthy as some of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the Iron Man movies had really good music, and uh, even the Captain America ones, the... They have like one of the best scores out of the whole series, but the little dum 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 that Ant Man theme isn't really as prevalent here, and I mean that's a downer, but not as much of a downer. It's not going to be the type of thing that ends up being like, and then that lost a full star for me on the movie ranking scales. So I do want to get into some more of the specifics here, and I will warn everybody spoilers probably from this point onward while I dive a little deeper into it. I guess I go subatomic kind of let's talk about the story itself. Uh, The basic rundown of this is as simple as put, they all get dragged into the quantum realm and they got to get out. So it's not the most complicated story that's out there. And while they're there, essentially what had happened beforehand was over the years that Janet was in the quantum realm, she had come across Kang the Conqueror, who had been exiled there, and he's trapped. He wants to get back out so he can conquer, because he is Kang the Conqueror. So they are going to be hunted by him, and the hunter character of Modok, who is... In this universe, Darren Cross from the first movie, that when he got sent to the quantum realm and he was inside the yellow jacket suit, that he basically became Modoc that way. I'm not opposed to it, but in some ways it's a little meh. And in some ways it makes a lot more sense. Modoc's one of those characters that when we start breaking down the characters, uh, you're not going to hear uh, as much of a complaint from me as I'm sure other people are. But story wise, the villains are a little bit lackluster. They're not, you know, I mean, the Ant-Man series hasn't had the strongest villains to begin with, but they're not breaking new ground with that. Again, they are not making Kang somebody who is so interesting that people are going to be like, man, why'd you kill him off in this one or something? Especially because they pretty much didn't. That's another story for another time. But as simple of a movie as it was to just be like, they're in the quantum realm and they got to get out. I feel like, One of the problems with it is it was a little too simple. And I liked 
the dynamics of the first movie being the father and daughter dynamics and the the heist element to it and the tech side of it it had a lot more going on for it the second movie had more of the quantum realm stuff but it also had the father-daughter bond stuff and then it's got the the janet side of the story and obviously ghost is an interesting enough character as as she brings to the table and everything this one did sort of feel like there's only one goal and it's meet up and leave so the stakes weren't really super high for me because i just assumed probably nobody's going to die and it might lead to something in the future that they go like, whoops, we kind of screwed something up in the quantum realm, but maybe not. And even when it comes to something as simple as the time travel aspect of the quantum realm, they didn't even really address it. So the amount of, I think it was uh, like five hours is what Ant-Man was in the quantum realm for during the five years of the whole infinity war blip and everything. I mean, at this point, they clearly were there for like an entire day, if not more. And it seems like that was like a a split second that that happened. So, I mean, they could just chalk that up to time works differently and there's no set rules or anything. But it felt a little bit lazy to me. So if I'm going to grade the story or I'm going to give it a hit or a miss, it's a bit of a miss a little bit to me. It's just a little too bland. Now, on the character side of things, this is where we can dive a little deeper about some of these. Every character that previously existed in the series that actually pops up for this, because a lot of them don't, they are basically just the same character. Um, Some of them get a little bit more to do, some of them get a little bit less. For Scott, I think he is exactly the way that we were imagining that he would be in this movie. He cracks some jokes, but maybe he's a little bit less jokey, so maybe he's not quite as fun hope has not too much to do in the movie so she's a little bit of a mess on this one she's definitely just straight up heroic and that's the end of it but i guess they're just missing some kind of a plot point for her other than i want to get back as well hank not being as surly makes him less interesting so he is just the older guy there and there's not as much going on for him either janet is the one that steals a lot of the show and michelle pfeiffer looks great and she does a great job and everything so her character perfectly fine when it comes to this cassie is interesting i preferred the dynamic of um i'm blanking on her name abby forster forster something along those lines uh the cassie in the first two movies i liked younger cassie with paul rudd more so than I liked this Cassie and I don't hate this Cassie. A lot of people seem to really just be down on Catherine Newton about her being recast as Cassie for the role and everything. She's fine. And I keep using the word fine, but that's basically what it is. I mean, I said, this is a pretty average movie. She's fine, but she does feel a little less like Cassie (laughs) And again, you can try to argue, well, you know, I mean, she's not a little kid anymore. So of course she's going to be more of an adult. And then that's really the only change is that she just becomes less of the childish character. So what do you do with her? But she doesn't really have much of a character beyond that. She's pretty much just a hero who is slightly edgy when it comes to like wanting to protest and everything. 
but not much more to her. So I get the criticism when people say that Cassie was a downgrade. And I feel like, you know, if she were to be say on a young Avengers team, I wouldn't know what her role on the team would be. She's not going to be the funny one. She's, I guess she's maybe going to be the smart one. Maybe that's it. But then they didn't really have a chance to do that in this movie because she was, you know, it's funny enough when it comes to something like say, you know, if you look at like the justice league and you've got Batman, Superman, wonder woman, the flash, green lantern, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, etc. Batman usually becomes the smart one. And more often than not, he's the brooding one as well. And like the, the Lancer of the group and everything. And then you look at somebody like Superman and he's the, the boy scout and he's the symbol of hope. And he's also the powerhouse. And then often that leaves wonder woman being kind of a question mark. She can't be the strong one because that's Clark. She can't be the brooding one because that's Batman. She can't be the funny one because that's the flash. And then green lantern can't be the funny one. So what's green lantern? Oh, he's the hard ass because he's the military guy. Well, if it's John Stewart, he is, if it's Hal Jordan, then, and you know what I mean? You got, you kind of balance that around a little bit, but then when you get into something like the dynamics of the bat family, then Batman becomes a different type of character because he doesn't have to be the supporting one. He's the main one. Cassie may be the smart one going forward with the young Avengers, but here she is definitely not the smart one in comparison to Janet understanding the quantum realm or Hank understanding the ants or Scott understanding the, the heist element of the whole thing or hope just being like pretty much overall the smartest it seems. So she kind of falls a little bit by the wayside there and other characters that are in this movie that get introduced brand new. Most of them, I couldn't tell you the name of. You know, Kang obviously is the main villain, and he is just a warlord in a lot of ways. Like, he doesn't have anything more to him but just being that guy. A little bit of a downer, I would say. Now, I'm looking him up online just to figure out what some of these other characters are. So, Quaz or Quaz, played by William Jackson Harper. He is a telepath who has maybe about nine lines in the movie or so. And he and a group of all the other people, the freedom fighters, like the little squid looking guy and the warrior woman and the, the lamp kind of guy. They introduce these characters and I'm supposed to care about them and I'm supposed to be invested in them being like, Oh man, they, they kill off one of them or something. I wasn't really into them. I don't care to see them going forward. This isn't the type of character that is like a Phil Coulson. Now, when Coulson gets introduced in the Iron Man movies, then he ends up going in through the Avengers and they kill him off. It's a big deal. If they were to be like, hey, look at that. We're doing Avengers Secret Wars and another version of the lamp guy comes in. I'd be like, oh, that fucking guy. <laughs> You're going to waste the CGI money on that. Lord Kryler. Bill Murray's character seems like they pretty much put him in. They filmed it all in one day. They said, thank you. And that's it. A very thankless part. He didn't really serve any purpose. If you got rid of the Krylar 
and I guess it's a bar scene and you just have the group get abducted by uh, Kang's people, you could skip 10 minutes of the movie or something and nothing changes. They don't really say anything else <laughs> during that scene. It's not like that's where the big reveal comes in, where she talks about the whole Kang thing. Cause she just talks about that afterward anyway. So pacing wise, it didn't bother me or anything, but I do feel like maybe there should have been something for that character to do. Like maybe he should have came back later and been the reason why they turned the thing around, or maybe that should have resulted in some kind of a rift between Hank and Janet, or maybe he could have given them a piece of the puzzle that they used for figuring out how to take care of Kang at the end or pretty much anything. I, I kind of feel like it was a waste of Bill Murray for the most part, but then again, what else are you going to use him for? It's not like Bill Murray is going to be cast as Sentry in the Thunderbolts movie or something, but all those characters, you get rid of all of them. doesn't really matter to me. So I do think one of the other things that's a problem with this movie is the Modoc character is not, I, I, people are going to hate me for saying these kind of things because Modoc is one of those characters a lot of people love. I don't like Modoc all that much. I wanted to see Modoc in the MCU, but I didn't care to necessarily be like, okay, Modoc's got to be like a main villain or it has to follow this certain story or anything. But Modoc is a character that I think is as ridiculous as you can possibly get. And they needed to make him ridiculous. So they needed to put him in a comedy so they can make fun of him. They couldn't take Modoc and make him the character that the Avengers are fighting in the first movie or something. They couldn't have had that with AIM or anything along those lines. Now, MODOK could have been a part of AIM and they could have done this, they could have done that, all these other kind of things. I think that this is probably the simplest way that they could possibly do it, which is wacky quantum realm nonsense. And he doesn't need to be named George Tarleton. He could just be Darren Cross and everything. I kind of like that they did the the hero arc for him at the end here of, you know, I'm just, I'm going to die as an Avenger. I thought that that was kind of funny, but he served his purpose well. And overall, if I'm going to give a hit or a miss to certain characters, I'm going to give, you know, like a, a hit to Ant-Man, but it's not as much of a hit as what the previous ones were. I'm going to give a miss a little bit to Cassie, but not a huge miss. It's kind of, you know, bounces off. It's a little right of a ricochet. Same for a lot of the other characters here and there. A miss to every single one of the ones that is a brand new character, though. None of them were serving it for me. But I'm going to give a hit to Modoc. I think that Modoc was pretty well uh, fashioned into this. And the design was, you know, I mean, it was Modoc. You look at that and you're like, all right, that's Modoc. A little bit less ugly Modoc, funny enough. So character-wise, not as strong as the other movies. Tone-wise... Downgrade on the comedy, not as funny as what it used to be. Upgrade on the drama, but not in the way that I feel like it should have been. Just they happen to be more dramatic this time around. The action-wise, I mean, uh, I don't know how I would actually rank the action because it wasn't like anything that they did was super interesting. It loses all sense of scope when you have Ant-Man shrink or, or get bigger if he's in a realm that you don't have any context in, like 
if I see a really, really small Ant-Man getting flushed down the um, tub in the first movie, I know what that what's happening, and I can picture what's going on. If I just see him in a CGI realm of nothingness, I have no context of him being bigger or smaller. And they got to a point at the end there where they're both supposed to be really big, Cassie and, um, and Scott. And they go to hug each other and it's like, oh my God, you're so big. Oh my God, it's, it's so weird. It's like I'm hugging Godzilla. How am I supposed to know that they're big? They're surrounded by a bunch of floaty, weird shit like in Doctor Strange and a bunch of alien characters that I have no sense of scope for. So that was definitely lost on me. And I mean, if you're talking about romance on the, the tone side of things, there's not really like a romance side, but you know, Scott and, uh, hope are together and they say they love each other so that's good thumbs up on that really for the most part my takeaway from this movie was this didn't feel like a strong third ant-man film it felt like an average setup movie that did more for just taking the people that haven't seen loki and showing them kang more than anything else, this was like, hey, Kang, he's going to be important. And that's about it. So it is a fledgling kind of movie. It is not one of my favorite ones. It is currently ranking towards that bottom sort of end. But I mean, if you look at it this way, if I've got 42 movies or specials or TV series that I've currently ranked, and this is number 31, I believe. Let me double check about that. Number 31, yeah. It is around the same range that I gave Doctor Strange and Iron Man 3. Flawed movies that I'm not the biggest, biggest fan of, but not bad by any means. And it'll serve its purpose. It'll be the type of movie that we look back and we needed this movie, but I just wish that they had made a better movie. Kind of, a, I guess in a way, similar to Iron Man 2, or Thor the Dark World, or even Age of Ultron. Although I think that Age of Ultron might be a better movie, and same for some of the other things here and there. So I I do think it's an average, and by that it gets an average score. So it's it's a it's not the strongest in the franchise by any means. But for anybody who is seemingly shitting on this movie, thinking that is the worst film of all time or anything. You need to watch more movies because this is nowhere near as bad in any realm, even the quantum realm, than even just some of the movies that have been in the MCU. I mean, I will watch this quantum mania way more often, I'm sure, than I'm ever going to want to sit down and rewatch Eternals. And I couldn't get through the second episode of Ms. Marvel. And I think that Captain Marvel has more flaws in it than Quantumania. Captain Marvel has some interesting things to it that Quantumania doesn't have, but it's not as good of a movie. So overall, those are my hits and misses and my ultimate score for this. If I'm going for a rating around that three and 3.5 star rating, if I'm going for a grade, as far as the making of the grade kind of scale goes, I'd probably go for a C. It is around that average mark. And if I'm going to go hit or miss, 
I'm going to say it is as low of a hit as you can get. It's not a miss. But it's just one of those movies that if anybody says to me, hey, you know, uh, what's your enthusiasm level for it? I'll go, ah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> so, again, as always, let me know what you have to say about this movie. Tell me what your hits and misses were or everything else that you have in mind that you want to talk about. And if you want to show your support for Fanboys Anonymous going forward for all the different ways that you can to make sure that I do not only more review points, but maybe more commentary tracks or just more content in general. You know, you want to support something like the blueprint project where I am breaking down what I can do the best possible history of an entire character in the most simplified story manner as I possibly can. I have a video up about that right now about explaining the concept in general, but I do want to get deeper into explaining the 100 stories from the Batman a nighttime story or to get into the 13 different power rangers films that i have been writing up and everything there are so many different projects that i would love to do there are so many things that are on the back burner from fanboys anonymous when it comes to diving deep and even more so into the james bond franchise to talk about uh you know, movie adaptations of video games or tv versions of movies and stuff that I would love to do these pitches and these editorials and these lists and stuff, these Mount Rushmore lists of getting into, you know, who are the best villains of the MCU or who are my overall favorite fictional characters with this and that and that and that. I mean, the possibilities are endless when it comes to these things. So if you want to check that out, go ahead and do that. Make sure you are also checking out my favorite movies lists that I've put up as well. Those are up on the website and broken down by decade by decade. All these different things you can help sponsor by going on our Patreon, patreon.com slash fanboysanonymous. Or if you are on this YouTube channel, then you can click the join button, which is right next to the subscribe button, which you should already do that for sure. And if you click join, you can get access to the same things as the Patreon tiers like the bonus features where if I got people that are interested in us doing some more content, I can try to bring in some, some more people to do some more podcasts with me, you know, get somebody like uh, Rob on here, somebody get Callum on here or different things. A wide variety of different people that I know that are interested in talking about stuff, but you know, the more support that you guys give me, the more that I can do. And even if it's a buck a month, it can go a long way as well. So if you want to hit that little thanks button, that's a great way to do that too. Also hit the like button. It's totally free. Hit the share button. Pass this around. Anybody that you think might be interested in checking it out. Do the same for all the other content that you see on the website and on the YouTube channel. And make sure that you are following all the different accounts that you can see over on anthonymango.com or amangotree.com. They all go to the same link tree that I've got set up for that. So if you want to follow me at Tony Mango, do that as well. And, you know, give me a shout out. Now we should think about different things. Let's talk about some some interesting MCU stuff because I got so much more that I want to say, but I didn't want to make this too super, super, super long and uh, too overbearing. So in the meantime, that is it for this movie review point. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania gets a fledgling thumbs up, not two thumbs up. It is what it is. So adios for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to this. It's time for me to geek out.